Welcome to another episode of The Raven Narratives. I'm Sarah Severson. And I'm Tom Yoder. Together, we are the co-producers of The Raven Narratives. The story you're about to hear was told by Suzanne Straza in February at the Durango Arts Center and Sunflower Theater when the theme was love. Suzanne is a creature of the desert, but also a proud Jersey girl. She's the super lucky single mom of three incredible young men and a corgi named Elvis Aaron Presley. As a writer, Suzanne often shares very personal details of her life with the world, but always from behind the scenes. She also makes a killer raspberry cake. Here is Suzanne's story. So this story took place a long time ago, and uh, I haven't told a lot of people a lot of the details, really not until last weekend. Um, years ago, in the beginning, there were two couples. There was Tom and Suzanne, and there was Mike and Emily. And we were best friends. We did everything together. We worked together. We climbed together. We traveled together. And for work, we were mountaineers. We were working for the Colorado Outward Bound School. And uh, we, were, we were young, and we were passionate, and we were full of ourselves, totally full of ourselves. And we thought we were so cool. And um, we, we, we did everything. And so Mike and Emily got engaged, and then Tom and Suzanne got engaged. And then we jumped ahead and got married and bought a house and gutted it to the studs and got pregnant. And Mike and Emily were still like climbing and doing their thing over here. And... Um, so while I was pregnant and we were living in this construction zone, um, <laughs> uh, um, anyway, Mike and Emily did their thing, and Mike eventually ended up getting involved and dabbling in some eco-terrorism, and it got him in trouble. And so while the law was kind of closing in on him, Emily was going, I Mm -mm, I can't do this anymore. You've ruined my life. And so Mike felt like he had to get out of where they were living and go someplace safe, so he came to Mancus. And um, he lived, he moved in with us into our construction zone in Mancus and helped us work on the house and was, he completed this little threesome for us. And at that time, my husband traveled all the time for Outward Bound. He was, he was gone constantly. And Mike stayed with me and, um, and helped me out and helped work on the house and just was, was there. And um, at, at some point, we had asked Mike and Emily to be the godparents of this child, and so Mike was really invested in this whole thing. And we would do all kinds of stuff together during that time when we were, um, we were living together. We'd go to uh, buy Carhartts for Mike because he always needed a new pair of Carhartts. And since he was working on the house, it seemed reasonable that I would buy him the Carhartts. And we'd go to Hogan's in Durango where they wrapped everything in brown paper and then the string came down from the ceiling and they tied it up. And, uh, and Mike was a writer and we talked writing. And Mike helped me steal a dog from Toyok where I was working down on the reservation. And... Uh, and this whole time, my stomach was growing, and one day my baby kicked, and Mike was the first person to feel it. And uh, my husband wasn't there, but we went down. We went to see him soon after that. Mike and I went, 
and uh, and and the law was pressing in closer and closer. And so Mike kept saying, "If I can just get to Alaska, then I'll be safe because there are a bunch of criminals up there, and nobody's going to care." <laughs> and uh, and so Mike. Uh, we, he worked for Outward Bound up there in the summer, and, and one winter he got a position working as the ranger at the uh, Exit Glacier National Park, and his job was, he lived in this cabin, and his job was to shuffle out every morning and see how much the glacier had moved overnight. And uh, so he'd shuffle out in his slippers with his coffee, and obviously the glacier hadn't done anything, but this was his job. And uh, And so... He spent the winter in this cabin, and in the spring, he called us, and he said, I've got a great idea. Why don't you guys come up, and we'll work for Outward Bound for one last really big summer and run the Alaska program and everything. And he had just bought land in Talkeetna, Alaska. And so we were going, after the summer with OB, we were going to go to Talkeetna and, I think, camp for the winter in Alaska and, uh, and help him build a house. And so at this point, my marriage with my husband was a shit show, and it was, it was falling apart in every direction. And we went to our marriage counselor, and she said, you know, you might as well go, because nothing else is working. So maybe if you guys go have this adventure, then, uh, then that'll help. And I was really, I was still very committed to my husband at this point. Um, and so we decided to do the Alaska thing. And so... Uh, a month before we were supposed to go up there, Mike was leaving to go to Denali to do a stint as a search and rescue ranger up on Denali, which he had done before. And in the meantime, we packed up the stolen dog and the baby, the godchild, and my husband drove the outward bound vehicle, which was this huge truck with a huge trailer with like 30 sea kayaks on it. And he drove that up the Alcan. And I flew because I had a baby. And, um, so I flew in. Mike had arranged for us to live in Seward, where the base camp was, but we were going to live at a bed and breakfast there so that we had a little space since we had the baby and the dog and all of that. And uh, so I got up there. I flew into Anchorage on Friday night, and I got in at midnight, which most flights going into Alaska do since it's broad daylight. And I spent the night in a place in a hotel that night, and the next morning, the woman from the bed and breakfast came up and picked me up and said this was our first meeting. And uh, we ran errands. We went to Costco and stuff. And then we drove back down to Seward. And I moved into our 16-foot travel trailer that afternoon, that Saturday afternoon. Um, and Mike was due to get off the mountain on Monday. And uh, the last thing that Mike had said to me on the phone before uh, I start, we headed out to start going to Alaska was... Um, if anything happens, the outward bound van's parked up in Talkeetna, the key's here, all my shit's in the car. And, and then he told me that he loved me. Um, so in Seward, I spent Saturday there, settled in, and on Sunday I got a phone call from the National Park Service in Talkeetna. And they said, we're trying to reach Mike's parents. And I said, can you tell me what's going on? And they said, no, we can only tell family. And I said, I'm family. And he said, I can't. It has to be his parents first. And uh, so it turned out that Mike had fallen. He was doing a rescue. He was trying to rescue another climber who fell. And 
uh, the weather was really bad and his climbing partner didn't even see what happened. He heard like a clank, clank, clank and, and nothing after that. Um, and so finally, after they contacted Mike's family, a park service employee came over to, and found me and told me what was going on. And at this point, I couldn't reach my husband because this was in the days before cell phones and he was on the Alcan. And I was the only person from this entire community of people of Mike's world that was in Alaska. Everybody else was down here in the lower 48. And I had no idea who these people were that I was living with, but I was in their house and I was watching the news all day long and I was on the phone all day long with the park service calling to give me updates and all the people in his family and I talked to his family like eight or nine times a day and my baby was fussing and I just kept handing the baby to this other, these people and saying you got to help me and uh, on the news every night because he was an Alaskan park ranger it was the first thing on the news every night and uh the second thing on the news every night was about the three men who had shot a cop in Cortez, Colorado, and were on the run. And I was like, this is just too weird. Like, every, I'd turn on the TV, and there, were, there was my world right there. Um, so my husband finally got there, and uh, this was uh, almost a week after uh, I'd gotten the original call. And I went over to Mike's place um, where he was living in the Outward Bound Base Camp to get a couple of his things before we went up to Talkeetna. And I sat down at his desk to cry. And he had left the CD player on pause. So for a month it had been spinning in there. And uh, I pressed play and it was that song, My Beloved Wife by Natalie Merchant, which is t truly the saddest song you will ever hear. And uh, so I just listened to that over and over and over and over again and sobbed. And uh, I met my husband up in Anchorage and we picked up Mike's family at uh, the Anchorage airport and we went up to Talkeetna and it was raining when we pulled into Talkeetna and we got to the park service building and the flag was at half mast. And uh, so we knew. So they sat us down and they told us that, yes, he had fallen. They did everything they could to find him. They were lowering, lowering people into crevasses from helicopters trying to find him. They found the other guy that fell. He had died. Um, they found Mike's balaclava, and it had brain matter in it. And so they, they weren't holding out a lot of hope. Um, and then we went and we... we so they called off the search, and when some friends of his had given us their home to stay in while we were there for the family and everything. And uh, we were all there and just kind of sitting around numb, and suddenly all of these women started showing up, you know, kind of knocking on the door going, oh, I was the one. And then somebody else would show up and be like, oh, I was the one. And um, there, were, there were like six or seven women that claimed to be the one, and, and I was like, I, I, actually, people, I'm the one. I was the one. And, uh, but I couldn't say anything because I was the wife of the best friend and I was the mother of the godchild and I was married and I couldn't I, I couldn't grieve this like I wanted to and uh, I went out at night and, and went up to this hillside above the house and you could see the Alaska Range Denali and Hunter and Forker up there and I would just sit up there because it was daylight and I would just sit up there and uh, and try and connect with him um, and then go back and, and play the dutiful wife. 
And so we had a service in Talkeetna, and then we had a service in Seward. And uh, we, we worked that summer. We, we ran outward bound that summer, and it was horrible. And, and my husband and I were at each other's throats the entire time. It, but we, didn't, we had to stay together. That, that was the thing is we just had to stay together because Mike had died. And uh, so um, we eventually came home. We were offered the position to check the glacier at the exit glacier for that winter, and we decided it was time to come home. Um, and, and not try and live Mike's life and come back here and create what we could in terms of community here. And in the years since then, it's been 20 years this year, in the years since then, uh, we've gotten divorced. Before we got divorced, we had another child. Um, the dog died, and Emily died. Um, but we tried. We really tried. And uh, there was this green sweatshirt of his that was in that Outward Bound van with all of his stuff, and it smelled like chainsaw oil and really stunk. And I kept that thing around for 19 years and never washed it, just would like pull it out and kind of snuggle up against this really stinky thing. And uh, I finally washed it a year ago, and I, and I live in it. And um, sometimes I, I I still think I'm going to pick up the phone and call them. So, thank you. Thank you, Suzanne, for telling that story. To pitch your story for a future Raven Narratives event, fill out the contact form on our website at ravennarratives.org. A list of our live storytelling events in 2019 is also on our website on the events page. Subscribe to the Raven Narratives podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, and share these stories with your friends. If a particular story makes you laugh, cry, or look at your world with a little bit more clarity, please leave a comment and let us know. Big thanks to our photographer, McCarson Lee of Red Scarf Shots. Check out the portraits of our storytellers on the gallery page of the Raven Narratives website, and be sure to visit her website at redscarfshots.com. And thanks to our fiscal nonprofit sponsor, Mancus Valley Resources. Find out more about the wonderful projects they support in the Mancus Valley of Colorado at mancusvalleyresources.com. The website for buying Raven Narratives tickets, ravennarrativestickets.org, was created by Cortez Web Services, Check out how they can help your business online at cortezweb.com. And our theme music was written and composed by Mo Cooley and performed by Mo and the Motones. Find out more about their music on the Motones Facebook page. That's M-O-E Tones on Facebook. Now for an outtake. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I was like, why are you, why are you so quiet? <laughs> okay. I just have to do that last little bit. sprayed my script there. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's why these are on here, right? That's right. <laughs> okay. <clears throat>